1: If you want to destroy my sweater, whoa, 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 pull this thread as I walk away, as I walk
2: away, watch
1: me unravel, I'll soon be naked, lying on the floor, lying on the floor,
2: i will come
3: undone. <laughs> hey, okay, right, we're done, we're done. That was great. We got into yeah. it. Yeah, we did. We We, we We could have just done the entire song and that would have been the podcast, but that would have been boring because you are now watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host Jimmy Wong.
2: How is it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. So we're talking about something you ask us to talk about all the time, which is building budget commander decks. I know it can feel pretty tough uh, to compete with like longtime players that have a lot of cards, expensive cards, large collections, and a lot of people feel like they can't keep up, but a lot of it has to do with Building yeah. smartly, so ah, yes, uh, you know you know we get asked about this all the time, and uh, unfortunately we're not experts on the subject. However, for this episode, we brought on someone who is an expert. We have Mitch here from the Commanders' Quarters Hi. YouTube channel. Hi. Great, Mitch. Mitch. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me on. You have to say how's
3: it. How How's it? There, there we go. We Sorry. go. <laughs> now you're, you've officially been inducted into the show. Yeah, we get asked about to talk about this all the time, and we also get asked to talk about it with you all the time, so this is nice. It's finally, everything has come together. Perfect.
2: Well, I mean, I'm I'm excited to learn about budget decks myself, So, mm-hmm. uh, and we played against Mitch uh, a lot last night, so I got to see them in action. And let me just say, all of his decks can hang with all of our decks, so oh, nice. it's nice to know that if you build on budget, like you're totally fine. You are good to go. Yeah. Uh, before we get into it, We got to give some shout outs to our sponsors. We're going to talk about a bunch of budget cards this episode. And if you would like to get a hold of any of those cards, just use the affiliate link, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. You're going to buy magic cards anyway. If you use our affiliate link, when you do, you really are supporting this show. Game Night's Extra Turns, which mm. just came out, just made its return. Yes. Uh, all of our content, we really do appreciate everyone that uses that affiliate link. Extra Returns? Extra Returns! Back now? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: another great sponsor of the show and one that we've been working with for a very long time is Ultra Pro. Obviously, if you need anyone to help outfit your playmat, accessories, deck box, sleeves, dice, you name it, Ultra Pro has it. You can buy them for anything from their big box stores. Uh, you can go to your LGS as well as CardKingdom.com and purchase all that product and make your, make your battlefield look sweet
2: yeah you really can and you want to protect your stuff even if it's budget right you know yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and another way to support the show is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone in fact we call out one lucky patron every single episode and this episode is dedicated to <gasps> kirk, kirk robertson. robertson kirk you rock was, mitch was ready for it i know, he was uh, yeah, prepared was great. yeah <laughs> Uh, and we want to talk about one th- other thing really quick. If you haven't heard, we have just launched a Kickstarter. Woohoo! Yes, that's right. So y- if you want to help us support Game Nights, uh, there's a stretch goal to make more episodes of Extra Turns. There's a bunch of cool rewards. What we're looking to do is upgrade some stuff around the office. Uh, especially for me, computers is a big thing we need. Mm-hmm. The show's getting so complex now that honestly, like, s- we have some computers in the office that just can't even handle it. Like, well, cam- my
3: computer literally shuts down yeah. half the building when I try to render stuff. It happened twice <laughs> yesterday. That's so. why the lights turned off yeah <laughs> yeah um also like you can't see it but the microphone that mitch is using is like precariously balanced on two sandbags wedged into a chair and hidden just from view because that's what we have to work with so yeah a lot of upgrades to be made around the office uh and if you want to check that out you can go online and we also have tons of really cool stretch goals yeah have you, mitch i showed you this yesterday you do you want to tell really them cool. about the coin
1: yeah say so this coin is absolutely fantastic it's got the game might's logo on one side and
2: the other side uh, is the tail side i don't know exactly how to describe it but it looks pretty sweet and it says, only one may stand. Very true. Yes. So uh, if you want to get a hold of that coin and a bunch of other stuff, check out our Kickstarter. The links will be in the show notes. Okay. But let's let's stop talking about us here. Let's talk about Mitch and your channel. You've had a extremely meteoric rise. You... Started what within the last year or so, yeah. I started last not this July, but the past one, so yeah. A and you're about now. to hit 100,000 subscribers, getting very Ooh. close. So yeah, cool. I, yeah. I, I don't keep track of these things exactly, so I'm gonna say something that's probably close to true. I don't know if it's absolutely true, but I think you're like the fastest growing magic channel. I haven't researched that, but yeah. sure, let's just say that. It's gotta be <laughs> close, it's gotta, be, <laughs> close. Claim it's to gotta it now. be close. So, um, yeah, what you want to tell everybody out there a little bit about your channel, sure. Yeah, my channel is pretty much about everything budget commander,
1: I do budget deck techs. So I go over underrated budget cards, pretty much anything that you think about when you think about Budget
2: Commander, I try to tackle it. Nice. You do a lot of uh, deck techs. Some of them are, n- are nuts. Like, I, if if you go to uh, the Commander's Quarters page and look at the thumbnails, a lot of them are like $25 yeah. decks. And say, I originally started at $25,
1: and some of those, if you look back at the older ones, they might not still be $25, because prices do change, but at the time of building it, it was at $25, and currently I'm doing a $50 budget um, Kind That's of. for the whole deck, though. Whole deck. Entire yeah, deck, wow. including shipping. Uh, basic lands are not included. Uh, provide your
2: own. <laughs> you can just a, go
3: to an LGS and pick those exactly, up. Exactly, <laughs>
2: yeah. Jimmy and I do the like upgrade videos for the pre-cons, the Brawl decks and the C19 stuff, and we are like, we have to add 10 cards, and our budget is $30, and we still are like, we I can't Very do it. Yeah. I would I'd be salivating over $30 <laughs> for 10 cards. Yeah, you build whole decks out of that. Uh, it's pretty, pretty cool. So, um, anyway... Oh, gosh. I wanted to say that we are here partially, and I wanted to apologize to you personally because... Oh, I need to apologize. It's my fault. I was the one that omitted it. (laughs) So the Commander Summit we did earlier this year, we went out to the community, we asked everybody to answer all these questions, and they sent us in a bunch of video submissions, and if you watch those videos, Mitch wasn't there. And you might think, like, guys, why didn't you reach out to the fastest-growing... (laughs) <laughs> Magic YouTube channel. I like that's the tagline. Yeah, yeah. I'm putting that now in my description. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's true. Um, and the thing is, we did. Mitch provided us with awesome answers. Uh, if you've watched his stuff, it's very polished. You actually edited all the stuff. Yep. And then... I, it was inserted into the
3: teaser of everyone that was going to be on the episode. And I guess at some point that, like, checked a box because we had to go down and try and make sure that everyone got in there once. And then it just didn't make it into the final cut. Well, you
2: guys were trying to manage a lot. It was not that big of a deal. Well, we we're feel, making it up
3: to you now. <laughs> we feel really More bad about
2: it. Up. So, no, so I'm glad we could make this happen. Okay, well, let's get into the main topic here, which is the best decks to build on a budget. So something I never really thought about before, but as you and I started corresponding, was mm-hmm. um, this idea of like, and it makes sense, that some decks or archetypes or certain commanders are going to just work better as budget than others. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. So I thought that was really interesting and something everybody out there would want to know, which is, like, if I know I'm a budget player Mm. and, you know, I have a limited amount of funds or a limited amount of access to cards or a smaller collection, or I'm just starting out, it's probably better to steer towards a commander or an archetype that's just naturally better suited to budget rather than accidentally pick something where it's just hard to make it good. Sure. Yeah. 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 Like, try and build a Jund deck. It's not going to (laughs) be cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you're trying to build...
1: Kind of on a budget, it definitely, you you can choose kind of a, more of a lane for commanders or archetypes that make it easier to build and make it, you know, have access to a wider variety of cards than if you choose one where you're kind of pigeonholed into using certain cards that might be too
2: expensive for the budget, right? Yeah, and there's not good replacements maybe. Yes. So then, yeah, then you're just creating a very weak version of the deck. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, And that's okay with certain circumstances. You can make kind of any kind of deck on a budget. It's just how good you want to make that deck, how Mm -hmm. competitive does that be for your group, that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah, and a lot of these decks, too, they sort of span the types and varieties of decks. So even if you're a new player that says, I really want to do something that speaks to me, there's probably Mm -hmm. something in here that I think will, will of course, speak to you.
2: Definitely. Yeah, I wouldn't say that there's only like a couple of different archetypes. There's a bunch, there's a bunch. to choose from. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you may want to steer towards one of these just to give yourself a, a little bit better chance of, yeah. of hitting that power level you want. I had a question for you, Mitch. Um so what are some of the factors you considered when trying to determine if a given commander or archetype is going to work well on a budget
1: sure i mean i think it's somewhat similar to when you're just trying to build a powerful commander overall Like if you see a new commander spoiled and it says draw card on it or it says mm-hmm. you know it helps you ramp or whatnot just the things that make a powerful commander in general it's probably gonna make for a good budget commander as well because you're just gonna be building around that commander um you also just might look for again we'll go through some of these archetypes and ones that can be budget friendly ones that aren't necessarily so budget friendly but you definitely once you start building budget decks kind of get a feel for these are the types of cards that i still can include in a deck and these are types of cards that i might not be able to like mm-hmm. if you're trying to go for a planeswalker heavy deck that might not work out so well because some of the best ones obviously are pretty expensive
2: <laughs> yeah, right yeah. there's not a lot of really cheap no, uh, no, <laughs> no. Cards like
3: doubling season are
1: not
2: on the cheap end either. no unfortunately not so super friends is not on our list of best <laughs> of decks to build uh, no well let's start going down our list here but it doesn't mean you can't build a budget super friends deck. It that's just
3: may true. not, like you said, tussle and the same level as someone else's deck. You'll probably be using a lot of those uncommon ones from Ravnica. Yeah. So
2: uh, some of them are good. Narset is pretty good, but that's I gotta true. say. Okay. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> so the the first archetype we're gonna talk about is Aristocrats, which is basically that archetype is sacking your own stuff on purpose. Yep making a lot
3: of stuff, draining life from multiple opponents or one opponent at a time, Mm. and playing an attrition long-term value game. Yep, yep, gaining value from sacrificing your stuff.
2: So why would you say that Aristocrats is budget-friendly?
1: Aristocrats just has a bunch of options, and there's actually a couple of good commanders that you can work with, too. there are a, like, three basic things that you need when you're building an aristocrat deck. You need a sacrifice outlet, you need things that want to be sacrificed, and you need things that give you value off of sacrificing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you have those kind of categories, there are a decent amount in each one that are budget friendly. Um, there are plenty of options. Um, Fanatical Devotion is a
3: fantastic sacrifice outlet. Um, it's, yeah, if you guys don't know what this is, it's a, I've never seen this card in my life, and I'm going to say that for a lot of these, I'm sure. It's two in the white for an enchantment that just says sacrifice a creature, regenerate target creature. Mm. So That's just a free sac
1: outlet. It's a yeah. free sacrifice outlet in white, which you don't typically see, um, but then also it can protect whatever kind of main pieces you have because you're going to be sacrificing things. You want to sacrifice things anyway, but you can use those sacrifice creatures to protect one of your key pieces, your whether it's like a commander or a wipe. Too, or, yep, yeah, essentially.
3: And then, notably, you don't need the creature you're regenerating doesn't need to actually do anything or have anything done to yeah. it. You're He's don't. putting a Regeneration Shield on it as his exactly. rules.
1: Exactly. Um, other ones, like the Benefit Payoff uh, kind of cards, like Zulaport Cutthroat or Pitiless Plunder are great ones as well. Zulaport uh, is great at draining out your opponents very quickly. Kind uh, of a budget Blood Artist. So. Yeah, budget Blood Artist. It hits all of your opponents instead of targeted, uh, though. But yeah, there is actually a budget version of Blood Artist. I think it's Falcon yeah Aristocrat. Yep, yep, uh, yep. But yeah, um, definitely a lot of budget options when it comes to that. And Wizards seems to keep...
2: Yeah, yeah, those I mean, aren't in such uh, high demand that you're not going to be able to find them, right? Exactly. Like Pitiless Plunder is just never going to be really, really no. expensive. Uh, that, so that's my, great. Yeah,
1: that, that's that been the Golden Pig in multiple episodes of my deck tech. So that thing's just, it does a lot of work. That's why it creates treasure when. Yes, your, treasure when any
3: yeah. of your creatures die. And that includes Sweet. tokens as well, which is. Busted. What are some commanders that would be really good for this style that sort of fit in that world? And notably, I, I, I when I was reading through, this, I was like, oh, interesting. A lot of these commanders are more powerful, and they actually might cost more, but they're going to mm. be maybe the biggest chunk of the budget. But they're so single-handedly powerful that you are able to take budget cards and put them around them and still make it really good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Taysa Karlov, uh, once she was spoiled, I think everyone knew she's just a fantastic. It's the reverse what Panarmonicon yeah. essentially. Yeah, where when you when a creature dies that you control it just doubles up the trigger or she's any reverse Yarok. Yeah. yeah pretty much. <laughs> um she's fantastic and then like Yogg-Moth like you said like he might take up a bigger chunk of the budget but Yogg-Moth is a fantastic commander because he's a sack outlet, he's also a draw engine and I mean essentially a board wipe too. So removal spell, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly.
2: Yeah, and at a certain point like the creatures you're sacking to him can be commons or they could be rares but it's going to have the same effect off Yogg-Moth, right? So, exactly. Right, yeah, right, that's right. really cool. Uh, you got a couple other cards uh, written down here as key cards of their oh, budget. Sure, yep. Yeah, you want to talk about those? Yeah, Pontevalamog and Sifter of Skulls are. Pretty much the exact same thing.
1: Basically, whenever you sacrifice a non token creature, you're getting an Eldrazi spawner, Eldrazi scion, which are more things that you can then sacrifice, give you mana. Mm-hmm. Just more things that basically generate. Uh, at a certain point in a Riscret deck, you're going to be set up with your engine, you're going to be set up with your sac outlet, and then one of these token producers where you're just sacking five, six, seven, eight creatures and then getting more creatures back and then sacrificing those and then finishing off of your opponents all at once or just getting so far ahead that it's going to be hard for them to stop you.
3: Yeah, notably Sifter of Skulls and uh, Pond of Ulamog. It's not even sacrificing. The creature just has to die. Yeah. And it's interesting because cards like Frexian Arena, or mm. not Frexian Arena, sorry, Frexian Altar are very expensive. Yep. And when you're getting these low tokens that make colorless mana, it's colorless, but this is a much easier way to say, Sack a creature, get something from it. Absolutely.
2: That's awesome. All right, let's talk about the next archetype. Uh, it's Voltron. What are Everyone's favorite. Yeah. One of my favorites. Hey, Josh plays it every did, day. It's crazy. Have we have, to, we have vo- to tell him to slow down. Wait, I played two Voltron decks last night. I played a Grevin deck and a Feather deck. That's true. I've oh, yeah, tried to, to, you know... Red,
3: white, and red, black. Just yeah. definitely Josh's prime colors. <laughs> you sound like me. What's happening? I don't know. Definitely won both of those games.
2: <laughs> Grevin does hit like a hammer. He does. So, so Voltron is um, basically the strategy of making, like, one super creature. Yep. Yeah. So, why is Voltron a budget-friendly strategy?
1: I think... One part of it is that, I mean, some of the, the higher end players, the players that are willing to put more into their actual decks um, and buy you know the more expensive cards aren't necessarily looking always to play Voltron. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be part of it. Again, I don't have the
2: statistics to back that up. But that's just kind of a you're the budget out. expert, so you can just testify as an expert. Witness. Exactly, I'm 100 yeah. expert. I, I said this guaranteed. Well, Spend more
3: time. You know, very few people in the community have spent as much time, I think, as you really focusing on budget. That's, but that's true. a good point. Voltron is a less popular strategy, yep. and so those cards are going to be less in demand. Yeah, or just and as is the case with so many commander cards, overlooked. Mm-hmm. There's, and there's so many cards; it's so easy to be like, "Oh, I've never heard of that before." It's 10 cents. Amazing. Absolutely, and there's just a lot of cards kind of in those.
1: Um, in the categories that you need for a Voltron deck where you have you just want to pump your commander, you want to protect your commander. There's a ton of cards that you, that can do that effectively, and depending on the commander that you need, uh, let's say you're playing Nezahal, which was, I think, the first deck tech that I actually did. Oh, cool. Um, starts off as a 7-7, so essentially to kill an opponent, you need three hits. Mm-hmm. If you get him to 11, so you just need some things that pump him by four, that's just two hits. If you can get him to 21 which there are plenty of ways to do that as well, that's one hit. So there's a lot of different cards that can help do that, and because of that, there's just a lot of options and a lot of cards that aren't expensive. That There's no expensive cards, I think, in Voltron decks that you necessarily just have to have or the deck won't work. Right, right.
2: right. Oh, okay, so let's talk about some key cards in this strategy. Um, You've got some equipment written down here, a bunch. Yeah, yeah. so equipment's big in Voltron decks for the most part because
1: even if your commander dies, you, they stay on the field and then right. you can re-equip. So right. Blackblade Forge and Inquisitor's Flail are two of the big ones. Uh, Blackblade Forge essentially is just going to pump your commander based off the amount of lands that you have.
3: And it costs much less to equip a legendary creature, exactly. which will be your commander. Yep. Deck on Blackblade Sword. Yes, it is. How cool. It's very yeah. cool. <laughs> uh, and then Inquisitor's Flail source has the uh, old school double strike text, which is if equipped creature would deal combat damage, it deals double that combat damage and then if another creature would deal combat damage to the equipped creature it deals double that damage as well so it's kind Does of that
2: stack with double strike though yes so yeah. that oh. stacks double
3: strike which is why yeah, if you put it on a seven seven it's
1: 14 and then 28 Just So it's one exactly yeah, yeah so but yeah then that, that second part definitely can come into play for certain strategies but for the most part with ultron decks you're going to have ways to get your commander through or to protect your commander so you're not going to really worry about that second part about twice as much damage to the commander
3: well one of those cards Prowler's Helm, yep. which is just like, how do you give your commander unblockable? And it does say a equipped creature can't be blocked except by walls. As you <laughs> and there's a to ton hear. of walls running around. In <laughs> yeah. Commander, yeah. I mean, sure, we have a few more because of Pramicon and all those guys coming yep. out now, but in general, yeah, this, this creature is getting through. Yes, yeah, and so Prowler's Helm, there's plenty of other great options that
2: even if you just give your commander flying most times, you can get through on one player. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I like the next one because in parentheses you put, depending on when <laughs> reprinted, this can be budget. That's that a good point. True. I uh, remember
3: when I first started, this card was budget. Yeah. Yes.
2: So it's Swiftfoot boots, which fluctuates wildly because if it's in, in like a pre-con or something, it'll mm-hmm. drop a lot. And yeah. then over time, it'll slowly creep back up. So uh, something about being budget is is... I'm assuming being aware of that yes. kind of dynamic? 100%. And you I'm not going to give away give away any trade
1: secrets, but yeah, <laughs> after some cards are reprinted, I may build decks around those cards just because there's only a certain amount of time that I'm going to have to be able to fit that into the budget, so.
3: Okay. Yeah, and that's I mean like it's something <laughs> not going to that...
2: give any trade secrets away to 100,000 people no, out there, yeah. 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 Don't, don't listen to this. skip this part.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty easy. If it gets reprinted, it's a pretty good time to pick up that card.
2: Yep, exactly.
1: Um another one I mean and then if you're going with uh, another commander actually it's one of my personal favorites and one of my the first decks I built was SRAM after I watched a Game Nights episode actually oh yeah but well, i me the great deck yeah I, I didn't go with equipment though I went with auras mm. and there's only certain commanders that can do that because again if you with an aura your commander dies you're not getting that back most of the time Uh, And so with Shram, though, he's replacing all the cards that you're casting though, because whenever you cast an aura, you draw a card. So he's just a very powerful draw engine that can play with a lot of powerful auras. So Shielded by Faith is fantastic.
3: It protects your commander and if something else comes into play, you can decide to move it, but you're not going to do that. Yeah, Uh, It it reminds me a little bit of Gift of Immortality. Just one that's like, it's kind of hard to get rid of because it can switch onto other targets. Exactly. And
1: then uh, another one is Ethereal Armor. You just have a bunch of really cheaply costed auras that can really pump your commander quickly. So I think that they only cost a white, I believe, even it gives yep. plus one, plus one for each enchantment you control and first strike.
3: Yeah. I would, oh, oh, I was going to say a lot of times commons in sets are built to help the limited environment mm-hmm. out and they're going to throw in random combat tricks or random things like team or battle rage. Mm-hmm. And if you can pay attention to those sets, you'll find the ones that really do
2: shine through. And because they're common, so
3: many are printed. Even if they're in super, super high demand, they're still going to maintain a really
2: low price point. Absolutely. I would think also that building aura based would be more like a lot cheaper than building equipment based because yeah. mm-hmm. we just see more equipment throughout the format than we do aura stuff.
1: Yeah, it definitely could be or definitely is, I would say. and But yeah, the higher end equipment like the swords, you're not going to a budget. Right. But yeah, you still can have that uh, effective but cheaper equipment. But yeah, still I'd say auras are definitely the cheapest way to go if you're looking to go that way. SRAM is a sweet deck. I would encourage yeah. anyone out there to play it. Uh, or another, Feather. Build a Feather deck. Yeah, feathers about it because again that's kind of like shram where you you're not going to be able to get that same resource value from other commanders no, there's but way to you know, go about about because, because again, that's kind uh, of like shram where you useful for those other commanders but for
2: Feather they're fantastic you yeah. can draw a ton of cards you can do a lot of damage quickly right built to smash is not ever going to be an expensive card no. <laughs> commander demand ain't going to drive it up so exactly. Feather yeah. loves it yes <laughs> team or battle rage like you said that's another it. all-star in that game or in that uh, deck all right let's move on to the next archetype that we like uh, building under a budget it. This is close to my own heart. It's a politics deck. Yep. So, this is uh, decks that focus around the social aspect of EDH. And uh, I'm going to ask you the question, but I think I know the answer. Why are politics decks budget friendly?
1: Politics decks are budget friendly because you can build them in a variety of ways. I think, mm-hmm. and also a lot of them are very dependent on the commander. At least the ones that I tend to go towards, where you're building with a commander as kind of like the engine of the uh, of the deck, as well as kind of like your political tool. And then most of the other cards are you've got some politics cards in there where you can you know make deals and stuff like that. But you're also just kind of working to protect yourself while you know kind of uh, working to control certain aspects of the game so you can more incentivize your opponents to make deals with you
3: yeah,
2: and I, l- I put in parentheses, words cost nothing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> true. Yes. I mean,
3: we always do talk about how when you play Commander, like if your deck's a seven, you can make it an eight by playing it better with the yep. politics around the table. And so obviously the number one creature I think about is just Feldegriff when this Feldigriff. comes up. Yeah, just everyone's happy hippopotamus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Happy yeah.
2: Potamus. Happy, happy, Pot- Pot- happy Potamus, yeah. Potamus. I like that, yeah. yeah I like um, that you also put down a new Commander and I saw this deck in action and yep. you might out there too soon enough. Yep. Uh, Kenrith, the return yes. king. Yeah Kenrith
1: uh, I but when I saw Kenrith spoil I was like this is kind of felt I wouldn't say 2.0 but
3: 1. 5. Yeah, it's, I think it's the best just like if you want to use it in that setting. Obviously, there are plenty of ways to make it super competitive, too. Mm-hmm. Do you find that if you're building or bringing a, a deck like Kenrith to the table, you need to let people know far in advance that this is not a Kenrith win the game deck, this is a politics deck, this is a group hug kind of situation? I would say that, yeah, if you're an LGS
1: playing with people you don't know, then yes. Uh, if people kind of know who you are and who you what kind of decks that you play, mm-hmm. um, you know, your friend group, um, they won't just kill you right away just because they see that commander Necessarily, they might kind of give you the benefit of the doubt before you go into it. But yeah, you could obviously generate infinite mana and just kill with Kenrith automatically. Um, But yeah, I would say that... Kenrith just is a very versatile commander where you can take him in a lot of different directions. You can go ultra-competitive. You can go political. You, he just has a lot of different options on Even just
2: within his abilities, you could go towards the draw cards. You could go yep. towards the recursion. You could go towards the plus-one, plus-one counters. trample. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Kenrith uh, Voltron? <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. You yeah, you probably could. You probably could. Uh, let's talk about some key politics cards uh,
1: that are in, in the budget range. Sure, yeah. So again, I mentioned like protection spells. So you've got... Fear of Safety which uh, unfortunately keeps going up. And I would like reprinted at some point. Yeah,
3: one uh, well, like Propaganda and Ghostly Prison are yes, on the rise. Safety, exactly switch, uh, uh, unfortunately, keeps yes, going saying up. Ghostly
1: Prison finally just got reprinted and went down a little bit, so that might be able to squeeze into a budget. Um, but yeah, those kind of types of uh, taxing effects to attack you are fantastic. So you've got other ones like Baird. Uh, there's that new one that just got printed, unless that's escaping my mind. Oh, uh, the flying three two one. Yeah. Oh yeah
0: yeah yeah. The Archon yeah, yeah. something Archon something
1: like that. Yeah. yeah. It, so. It's
2: it's a like a half a propaganda.
0: Yeah, yeah
1: it's it, Pay one. Yeah. So, so even that even the pay ones are like bear it as well. Like it just it's enough incentive for someone to decide to swing elsewhere. People don't like to waste their mana, and when you're yeah. trying to justify attacking, especially if you've got you know a go wide strategy, there's no way you're going to pay for every single one of those. So
3: yeah, I think something to pay attention to is a lot of times people make obsolescence charts on Reddit and stuff online, which is basically like of a, a better version of a card is mm-hmm. printed, just strictly better than the old one. The show. Here's the old one. Here's the new one in like Throne of Eldraine or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and that's a great place also for people. Usually say like, here's a new version of Ghostly Prison or yeah. of Sphere of Safety or of Baird, but it's on the creature form. Yeah. So wizards may not exactly reprint the thing you want, but they're putting some versions of it of it into feature sets. Absolutely. So it seems like at least uh, this next one is from Throne of Eldraine, and I've lost to it many times <laughs> in, in draft. In, in draft, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, it's Revenge of Ravens it's a four man and shaman and whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker or you control that creature's controller loses one life and you gain one life and this is per creature yes so this would just completely stop people from attacking you too if they just don't want the instant of life damage if it's like i have two attacks one i'm going to lose five life when i do it and mm-hmm. the other one i'm just going to not they're going to go the other direction well, it's not even lose five life it's you lose five life that person gains, gains five, five, five life, life right yeah. too so you're benefiting them but yeah yeah i like that card a lot that's yeah, um, a great one and then Illusionist Gambit is a card you see you like a lot too. Yeah, Illusionist Gambit just I think,
1: and the more people play against you when you're playing these politics decks, if they know you kind of have these combat trick cards in your deck, they're gonna be less hesitant to attack you anyway. When you've got that mana up, even if you don't have those ghostly prison effects on the board, right? So Illusionist Gambit basically, if someone swings at you, you say turn your creatures around and swing elsewhere so it can be a board wipe at a certain point because if they have a beneficial attack to you they might not have one to someone else and they're just swinging into it, disaster it can be a board right. wipe but and a certain goat point point. and goad is a
3: very similar mechanic
2: too yes. that at least averts, diverts attention from you yes I mean, uh, illusionist gambit's way worse because they don't can't plan for it. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> it is. And um, you were like specifically attack that person, not you choose, right? I, I don't think you had to choose. I think they have to oh, swing. It. They, they just have to swing, swing at other opponent. yeah,
3: can not attack you or a planeswalker you control. Icon. Uh, oh okay, so yeah, like, yeah, Haha, yeah. Ha ha! Diversion. If there's Someone only one other player at the time, then yes. So. Yeah. Um, Reigns of Power is the last card on the politics side. Yeah. How I've never played this card. I've looked at it a lot. I oh, thought it was it's really fun to play. How how does it work usually when you switch creatures with
1: someone else? Sure, so I'll give the Feldegriff example. So Feldegriff is probably my favorite deck to have this in because essentially with Feldegriff you're trying to give one person an army of hippos, which is just the best thing ever in Magic.
3: <laughs> so you
1: just give one person hippos, you say, go swing at other people with these hippos, they do that, they kill them, and then once they're done doing all of your dirty work for you, you cast Rains of Power, you take their creatures, and then you swing out at them. And so they have sort of,
3: nothing from your side. Yeah, or they'll have like Feldegriff,
1: where you could even bounce Feldegriff back to your hand before right. you do that. And yes, exactly they have nothing, you've got everything. But it even works in a defensive situation, too. So if one of my opponents is swinging out with me with their army, I can trade my Feldergriff for someone else's army and then block mm, with that. So I it's see. just a very versatile card. And actually, there's a, an application that I love it. Uh, I love with it because... Um, Cyclonic Grip is very much a card that you will see in this format, obviously. Oh, yeah. Someone casts a Cyclonic Rift, you oh. exchange creatures with them, they bounce Cyclonic their Cyclonic Rift, rift that's very exactly. much a card that you will see in this play. And it's just it's hilarious when it happens. Let's read the card
3: really quick. Guys. Yeah, so Rains of Power is two blue blue for an instant. Untap all creatures you control and all creatures target opponent controls. You and that opponent each gain control of all of the creatures the other controls until end of turn, and those creatures gain haste until end of turn. So I have, if I have a board state with five creatures and Josh has one with one, Josh plays this, he gives me one creature, Josh gets five, and all the those creatures have haste all of a sudden mm-hmm. and yeah, it's, it's just like a end sac of turn, but i never yeah. thought yes.
2: it a Rift thing yeah. i've definitely had reigns of power end games when other people have cast it on mm-hmm. me yeah but usually that's just because they're like i grab your stuff and hit you with it yeah it's <laughs> like, this, like, like Rift thing is awesome yeah it's, it's like all it all. tech yeah. look at that yeah exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right we've got some more archetypes to go through in just a second but before we get into that we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors
3: All right, we are back, and let's keep talking. Right now, we've covered Aristocrats, Voltron, and Politics. you Mm -hmm. want to introduce the next one? This one might be the one that I think has gotten the most popularity recently, just because Mm -hmm.
2: of the Commanders printed. This was the most surprising to me on your list. When I saw it, I was like, really? You can do that on a budget? Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Okay, so it's Artifacts or Artifact Storm. Mm -hmm. So I would think that Artifacts, because they are like... If there's an Artifact, then every deck wants it. So I would think that it would be more in demand, and therefore those... Really important artifacts would be more expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, why is it budget friendly? I'd say
1: there's just as many artifacts that are in demand and expensive as there are ones that aren't in demand and that fit perfectly in these types of decks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give an example of Joyra Weatherlight Captain, which was one of the first decks I built, I and mean, as soon as it was spoiled, it was like the commander I was looking for for forever. Mm-hmm. I think Vidalkin Archmage uh, is the other one that draws cards, but it wasn't mm-hmm. legendary, and I was like, I need a legendary that does this. Um, so, Basically, Artsmage, any uh, artifact the in one that draws is a card that wasn't legendary, point. and I was like, I and need so a legendary that does this. If you've this. got artifacts <laughs> um, um, so who, that come into play and draw you a card, they're netting you two cards for one card, and all those artifacts that do that, that cost two, are nothing in Commander. They have no application, but there are very few decks that actually want those, like Prophetic Prism, um, right? Sabo, even Sabo's Web, like no, old cards that Golden just, Egg from the new golden set. Golden Egg from the yeah. new set, just cards that just happen to have that on there because they don't really have too many other effects at two mana, Cantripping is fantastic in those decks. There's also just a bunch of other cheap cards too. Um, oh yeah, we got some rocks up in here. There we go. Yeah, so you've got a bunch of mana rocks that are very expensive and, and great. That would be fantastic in these decks. Like um, Mox. You've got, right. you know, soul ring. You've got uh, soul Not even that obviously yeah. not expensive, but in a budget when you're constrained you're not exactly going to use that but there's plenty of ones that are just fantastic in those decks anyways like fractured power stone guardian idol mannequin ones that don't get play anywhere else and so that kind of lowers the cost of your deck just on their own so you might be able to include some of the higher end cards if you have to like a couple because you've saved money elsewhere exactly those are 10 cent cards so Mm -hmm. you can just include you know your money elsewhere and that might be some of your uh, you're also looking to include some reducers as well in those decks where if you can get your artifacts to cost nothing, then you're just going to be storming off and casting a ton of artifacts at once. So Ethereum Sculptor, Joy is Familiar, Herald of Kozlik are all cheap ones. You've got some more expensive ones uh, like Semblance Anvil uh, that's gone up just a little bit lately. But you can still, again, include some of those
2: once you reduce the cost. Mm-hmm. And those are often better than rocks indexed with a lot of artifacts yes. because a rock's going to tap for one mana, mm-hmm. but if you cast three spells in a turn, you just save three mana with absolutely. Ethereum Sculptor. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, all those are very cheap. Ethereum Sculptor is like... You know we've super seen cheap, it a yeah. bunch yeah yeah
3: and you can get them out super early which is important and if again if you have multiples that's as good if not better than a ramp spell over the long or a ramp like you know a, a card or an artifact they have to tap mm-hmm. um because you don't have to untap it to get the reduction on the next thing right yep. like the Ethereum Sculptor is always going to give you one less on everything you don't need to like untap a fractured power stone to do that yep. um obviously we just talked about the cantrips so alchemist vial elsewhere flask and prophetic prism are all artifacts and when they enter the battlefield you draw a card and then they have some other ability attached to them but joyra obviously just takes that and runs with it yeah Absolutely. Um, and then I like this last category a lot, Bounce. Uh, I've seen this a lot in Legacy, but Paradoxical Outcome is a card that is just taking Cheated, sort of... Modern now. Yeah, yeah. Modern now too, yep. Uh, so the unfortunately, that, that card might go up just a little bit unfortunately. Yeah, but, it's definitely creeping up right those now. Those Urza decks, I think <laughs> Yeah, they
1: call I think them. that's what it's called. Urza? Because yeah. Oh, yeah. that's
3: funny. Yeah, Paradoxical Outcome, it's three in the blue for an instant. Return any number of target non-land, non-token permanents you control to their owner's hands. Draw a card for each card returned to your hand mm. this way. So if you have like two reductions, like if you have minus two on artifacts and yep. you can bounce your perfect prisms and all those like cantrips you just play them all out immediately and yep. boom
1: you just go you just draw 20 cards in a turn cast yeah. more artifacts for free draw through your entire deck and then yeah
3: yeah, yeah. The, do you usually put in like a storm
1: finisher yeah so a storm finisher that i used to love that has actually gone out of budget unfortunately aetherflex reservoir oh, uh, right. but again if you're able to you know Cut some budget in other parts of the deck you could still potentially include it but one of my favorite ones actually is temporal fisher which is just a very hard finisher to stop
3: because it's got storm yeah so do yeah. you want to read it, to it was, it's from scourge so it's an older card uh and it's four in the finisher blue return target permanent to its owner's hand and storm. So if you cast 50 spells, you get to return 51 permanents to their owners' hands. Yes,
2: yeah. so like infinite mana with capsize with buyback, basically. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, and you just bounce, bounce everything, including your lands. And honestly, yeah. capsize the buyback is really hard to pull
3: off sometimes because you need the one blue blue temporal mm-hmm. fisher just does it for four in the blue if you're able. Even if you're doing it for like six or seven, that's huge, right? Can still
1: be fine And you can use it on your own permanents too, which is the best thing. So right. this can either be uh, an enabler where it's a bounce spell, or it can be a finisher where you bounce all of your opponent's
2: lands and then that's just game. that's awesome that's a good card uh i wanted i pulled the paper back if anybody noticed that because uh i wanted to ask the question what are some good commanders obviously joyra you already mentioned uh one of our preview cards is on two of our preview cards are on here (laughs) you're welcome right Uh, (laughs) so elsha and urza both both very good with these types of decks
3: yeah yeah and urza is definitely more expensive so but you know i've seen this a lot right where it's like person opens a booster pack they get this really cool commander And from there it's like how can i build a budget around that and, exactly. and i think like yeah going into it being like i need to get an urza to do this mm-hmm. is not necessarily the right way to approach a budget and like sometimes you just have a really expensive or just a more expensive commander that you can then transform into the one of these archetypes
2: yeah. or
1: you've got a friend that's willing to trade you with and that kind of stuff too right but, yeah. right right
2: right i also think if you're gonna if you're gonna you know allocate a large amount of your budget for a deck on one card it should be the commander probably because you're going to have access to that card and play that card every game where any given one card in your 99 just isn't going to come up that much. So if you're going to like park a bunch of your resources on one card, but it's like in the 99. That's true. It's just not as cool because you're not going to draw that as much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'd much rather it be, it's, it's my commander. So I see that thing every game and I really feel like I got my money's worth out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next uh, archetype that is good on a budget. It's combo. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: By the Again, way, I, I, I like that budget. You can be mean with like yeah. uh, Storm deck, and you can also combo off. Budget doesn't
2: stop you from doing anything that regular Magic does. You're no, just yeah. saving money while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about combo. Why is combo... I, I think we hear combo when we think the highest-tuned CDH decks, sure. which are yeah. usually expensive. Right. Yes. So why is combo budget-friendly? So there are definitely
1: expensive combos out there, but there are plenty. I mean, there's just the, the amount of Magic cards that are out there. There's just a ton of combinations of cards that are bound to... Be broken together um, and right. because of that there's a lot of budget cards that actually just work really well together so you've got a uh, peregrine Drake which is a fantastic combo card and it is 30 cents or something like that so it's just very cheap and it can be used in a lot of different decks for for combos and right. um,
2: Five mana, two, 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 or two, three. Two, that, three, yeah. flying. Untaps taps, five lands when it comes. Yeah, to play. when it comes in
3: the battlefield, untap tap, five lands. Obviously, if you have your Temple of the False Gods yep. out, your bounce lands, yeah, your. Yeah. Game, Scourge of
2: Popper, Peregrine Drake. <laughs> 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 is it banned in Popper? Yeah, it yeah. is yeah. banned now. Oh, really? Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> well, hey, yeah. actually, yeah, because that's it a, was broken. That's yeah.
3: a great sign too, right? If it's, if a card's banned in popper a, popper, a format that only wants commons, which usually are the cheapest, it's yeah. probably good enough for Commander, that's a good right? Call. Yeah, that's. There's also a card like Vigor, which is this charge. I really
2: like. Yeah, I really like these next two. Yeah. yeah.
3: But it, it makes a lot of sense too, especially when we go back and talk about some of the commanders that are sure. good with combo. But Vigor is just a huge 6-6 trampler and um, it sort of puts counters on creatures if damage is dealt to them. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, if it's put into the graveyard from anywhere, shuffle it into its owner's yes. library.
1: Yeah.
2: So, There's a cycle of these for each color. There are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you Dr-
3: you
1: have Vigor and Dread. Vigor and Dread were the two that came up in a deck that I was building uh, in combo. So yeah, that was... Um... They're not the cheapest cards, unfortunately. That, I mean, for building uh, So yeah, I think it's around wrong. four or five, which yeah, is hard, hard to about squeeze the in. same too. It's about the same. And so, but they're definitely worth squeezing in a deck versus an Eldrazi Titan, which is, there's only so many creatures or so many cards of magic that actually do what that does, shuffling back into your library whenever they hit the Graver from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And the Titans are... Thirty bucks a piece or whatnot, so that, those just cannot be included, unfortunately.
2: A lot of decks do want a shuffler because they're going to draw their entire deck and yep. be in danger of decking if they don't get Rog. Is the one we have written down. Yep. Green and black, of course, vigor and Dread. Yep. Uh, so four dollars, a little bit on the high end of the budget range, mm. but when you compare it to Kozilek or Ulamog, yeah. uh the originals that do the shuffling thing, they're you know one tenth their price. So yes. as mm. a replacement for those cards, when you really yes, you know they're in there for that effect, then yep. it's it's a pretty good deal. Yep. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, The next ones are actually also fill-ins for something like Snapcaster Mage and that stuff. And in Commander, I've found a lot of these to be better than Snappy sometimes. right. So you've got Archaeomancer, Mm -hmm. Mnemonic Wall, Salvager of Secrets, which are all creatures that... Get you an instant or sorcery back from your graveyard into your hand when you, they enter the battlefield yep so these can really be busted with
1: things like uh, ghostly flicker um, mm. illusionist stratagem things like that where basically you just can continually get that card back and then bounce it back and bounce it back there are ways to go infinite with that with uh, other cards like dual caster mage uh, oh. Narameha things like that where they basically copy an instant or sorcery when they come to play. Yep. Um, got a couple of deck techs that have those combos just all in them. So there's a lot of and, and the thing with Archaeomancer, and Monomic Wall Solid Seekers, there's also like two or three other creatures that do that exact same thing. So just kind of having a bunch of the same effect throughout your deck just makes it a lot easier to get to, a lot easier to find, and a lot easier to combo off when you want to.
2: And one of the commanders you have written down as a, one of the best budget combo commanders mm-hmm. is Yaruk. Yaruk. Yeah, who's yes. going to work really, really good with our Chaomancer. Absolutely. And, right? Because you get two instances of sorceries back. Yep. Yeah. Um, this next one is an interesting one. And I believe the Spike Feeders did. I think I saw this on one of their videos. They, I, I believe. If the Spike Feeders are a CEDH uh, YouTube channel, so and they're talking they're about, talking about it, it must be very, very powerful. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, Tidespout Tyrants. Yes. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
3: Uh, I'll read it first. It's five blue, blue, blue. So eight mana for a five, five flyer. And it says, whenever you cast a spell, return target permanent to its owner's hand.
1: Yeah, so I think the way the Spike Feeders uh, showed it in their videos. And they had a, I think they called it. Um, they were like, is this the next Paradox Engine? Yeah, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> they have like uh, explaining kind of how a combo works. Uh, I right. know your combo, I think they Better know it. a combo. Better know Better a combo. No there you go, yeah. thank you. Um, and yeah, I believe the combo that they showed off was a very simple one. You've got Tide Stone Tire in play, Soul Ring, and then I think. Cast the Orthopter. You tap the Soul Ring for mana and response, Any you zero mana like you your, your Orthopter. Hand. You and then so essentially the mana, you Soul Ring, tap it again, uh, bouncing back the Orthopter. So yeah. on and so forth. You have infinite mana just with you know three simple easy cards. So and infinite storm count. Infinite storm count. A land right. Infinite a lot of things. Tidespawns Tyrant. And then again can also be a finisher because you can
3: also bounce any permanent. So you bounce all your opponent's lands, You bounce your opponent's Everything. They just they lose. Yeah, generating infinite mana. If those of you that don't understand, you need to have an Ornithopter on the board too, because when you recast your Soul Ring, Tide Spell Siren is a uh, cast trigger. So you mm-hmm. bounce the free Ornithopter, your Sol Ring comes down, you have one mana floating. Float another two mana, play the Ornithopter, and repeat mm-hmm. the process, and you're just going to gain one Carlos every single time. Yep. Pretty powerful. Pretty sweet. Yeah, Soul Ring busted, because it's a card that creates more mana than it costs. Yeah, so, go figure. Go figure.
2: All right, let's go to our sixth and final best archetype to build on a budget. And uh, this one is big mana. Yeah, so there's a of the Timmy of them all, right? Yeah. The yeah, two... well, I, f- I don't know if I'd, I'd call these Timmy. Yeah, uh, these yeah. days, <laughs> I feel like big mana decks are among the most powerful and it this one makes sense to me because mm-hmm. big mana decks, sorry, are generally thought of as decks that are going to spend a lot of time getting a lot of mana out yep. onto the battlefield and then cast huge things. Yep. Uh, it can be also jota style decks that are going to cheat big things yes. out. Uh, that can be in the same category. Yeah, they're definitely can be. Yeah. So, a lot of the big spells themselves are not actually that expensive because no. they don't get played in modern and legacy and they're not super efficient. And CEDH players won't run a lot of that stuff too, mm-hmm. so the demand is a little bit lower.
3: Yep. And people don't even run them that much in commander because well, putting so many seven, eight, nine
1: mana yes. cards in your deck is just untenable. Or like a cruel ultimatum, which is just very hard to cast right. because yes. of its mana cost.
2: So let's talk about some of the key cards in the big mana category, which are a lot of these big expensive. I mean, not expensive dollar-wise, but no. CMC-wise. CMC-wise, no. yeah.
1: So, uh, first one up is Amanatu's Augury, which is one of my personal favorites. too. I got, I got too. to, I got to cast it last card. night, which was, it. I think it whiffed pretty I hard. He, but...
2: I think he cast it a couple times or was that, um, no, you, you cast something off it a couple times. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, awesome. Wow. Yeah. Actually, two of these cards came out last night. Three of these cards came out last <laughs> night. Oh my gosh. I, I like big mana decks.
0: <laughs>
3: uh, so, Augury is a lot of text. Six blue blue for a sorcery. Exile the top eight cards of your library. You may put a land card from among them onto the battlefield. Until end of turn for each non-land card type, you may cast a card of that type from among the exile cards without paying its mana cost. Yep. So
1: this can just wow. lead to some really big and busted turns where you're casting other huge
3: converted mana cost
1: spells that do absurd things as well, and just kind of continuing on that giant turn where you're essentially
2: cheating on mana cost, even though you're casting an eight-mana spell. And you're achieving it you in blue. Yes. 30 <laughs> mana worth, yeah, you can get 30 <laughs> mana worth of stuff for your eight mana, which yes. is cheating on mana cost. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Conflux, Conflux, yeah. yeah. So tutor up a card of each
3: color, basically. Yep. Yeah. Um, for a grand total of eight mana as a yeah. sorcery. Yeah. So
1: this is kind of a um, enabler or finisher in a deck, basically, where you're casting. You're finding the exact cards that you need. If you need to wipe the board, you can. If you need a uh, mana double, you have got that. If you need something to finish everyone off, you've got that too. But yeah, getting five cards for eight mana is a
3: great deal.
2: And obviously, yeah, you can
3: get dual-color cards or three-color cards, and those count for each of the categories, so you can get multiples there. And
2: you're in big mana, so you probably have a lot of mana when you're doing that. So you're like, do this, get this, cast something, probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the next one was a card you got off Aminatsu's Zagri. I think, last <laughs> yes. night. It was Swarm Intelligence. Yep. Oh, gosh. Imagine if that was out when you cast Aminatsu's Zagri. It was when he <laughs> cast, uh, I think, you got, like, an, extra, got an extra turn tur- Oh, uh, spell or What's the uh, gained control? Part the Water Veil.
1: Yeah, that one, and then also gaining control of someone's turn, too. What
2: was that one? Oh, yeah. War oh, fears. fears. yeah. Worst Fears Cast Worst Fears with this out. So <laughs> <laughs> Swarm Intelligence is an enchantment that basically forks all of your instants and sorceries. Yep. So anytime mm-hmm. you cast an instant sorcery, you make a copy of it, choose yeah. new targets, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Yeah it's it's a seven mana enchantment, but
1: it's well worth the cost. It makes up for that very quickly. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think that's one of the things I've found playing more recently is sometimes games, if they don't come to a very quick end, they'll mm. stall out and you will just be able to resolve giant things, seven, yep. eight mana, and sometimes even get the turn back because everyone in the house at that point has to deal with something that is more threatening. And a card like Swarm Intelligence is threatening, but is mm-hmm. it as threatening as a Kozilek? That's true. Yeah.
1: Is
2: it even as threatening as like an Aura Shards, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you're like, eh, Swarm Intelligence, what do they have? They might not even have a good instant sorcery. So, mm-hmm. you know, they often you can cast it past turn and then it comes back to you and you're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, Aminatsu Zagari, let's have two of those <laughs> and then everything I cast off Aminatu Zagari, let's mm. have two of those. Yeah, pretty sweet. Yep. Um, all right, let's talk about the last two here. Yeah, sure. So, In Garak's Wake, Wake uh, it's just a
1: great board wipe. Uh costs nine mana though, uh, but in a right. big mana deck that doesn't matter. So, you can run the like most effective board wipes out there, which again, aren't that expensive because they do cost nine mana. In
3: Garrick's Wake is all Clear creatures and Planeswalkers you don't control, yeah. Yep. Um, and then Treacherous Terrain, I really like this edition mm. here because uh big Termanadex, creatures you don't decks, control Los and Joda, yeah, these yeah, are the commanders are yeah. five yep. color. And this is a card that actually was printed with the four color commanders yep. because it has basic land cycling on it, so you can yep. discard it and grab whatever you want, or you can use it for its first half, which deals damage to each opponent equal to the number of lands that players control. Yeah, so it's a great early card if you need to fix your mana, but it's also
1: a great finisher too, because these types of decks usually have ways to recur or recast things anyway, so you can cast it once, and if you've got a swarm intelligence out too, you're doubling that up hitting everyone for 20 and then you can get it back you can do it again and it's hard for you to survive if you're casting that multiple times it sort
2: of seems like the big mana decks they got the top end what they're going to do with the mana Mm -hmm. figured out if do you feel that like how i get my ramp going is sort of the harder part of the equation as far as budget because it feels like those cards are used in a lot more decks like
1: Go ahead. No, a, they're definitely using a lot more decks. I'd say there's a lot of good budget options, and actually, I think I've got a, a ramp episode coming up at some point where I just kind of highlight like two dollars or less ramp you got, like, cards. A package of them. Yeah, pretty much. Like you can just see, like, okay, there's a just ton of options. I kind of was surprised as I was going through that just to see, yeah, actually, this one's under two dollars too. This one's under two dollars. Oh, nice. But there's just a lot of in those decks you're looking for a kind of a. a a glut a, a massive amount of ramp cards because if you've got a commander like let's say golos golos is like your engine it doesn't matter if you just keep ramping that's just going to help you more and more and more because you're mm-hmm. just going to feed that mana into him and then he's going to cast the spell or get the, the spells off the top for you yeah you don't so. care if you flood basically no exactly yeah. so you can run 20 ramp cards you know let's say 15 of them are you know standard ramp cards like your explosive vegetation your far seek but then you've got some mass ramp spells like double up your, your lands then and then you're really going off. And there's just a lot of options that you have when you're running, especially a five-color Ramp deck spells like Dictated Dictated where you need that. to
3: run the signets, the Talismans and that kind of stuff in certain decks you can. So... Right. Yeah. Sometimes people hear five color and think, I have to be high budget for this because I need to get these dual lands and all this and that. It's like, no, the tri lands are cheap. There's so many different ways to get a bunch of mana on the battlefield. Yeah,
1: definitely not. I I mean, that obviously would help, um, but there's definitely ways that you can do it where you can focus a deck enough uh, and have enough ramp cards, have enough fixing cards where, I mean, most of my, my Jota deck, my Golos deck, my Kenrith deck... Mm-hmm. And people always get surprised by that when I'm running a five color deck. And I think you were surprised last night when I cast Early
2: Harvest. Majority of the lands in there, which only untaps basics, but all my lands are basics. Yeah, so. I would never think to put that in a five color deck. But I do remember noticing. I was like, "Yeah," looking over. You're playing five color deck multiple times. You know, played the Canthor deck, played mm-hmm. the last deck a couple of times, and. Just all your land, literally all your lands were basics, and mm. I was like, "Man, that just worked out fine. You never had a problem this <laughs> whole game. So something you're doing he something right. Is yeah. Really yeah. good at stacking decks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stacking them with no, a yeah, uh, yeah, scroll rack. You and, had the, uh, enough yeah. of the secure tribe elder far yep. here, and you just fill in the gaps, and it was totally fine. It wasn't exactly. like you didn't need a bunch of dual lands. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's gonna wrap up the archetypes we're gonna talk about for the budget episode here. But before we we move on to the listeners, I wanted to. Add, ask you, what are some archetypes that are harder to build on a budget? So Super Friends, we already sort of yeah, discussed. Yeah, are definitely a couple. Um, it, They can still be done. Um, Super Friends
1: is definitely one where, you know, just uh, unfortunately, a lot of the best planeswalkers out there are expensive. And yeah, then and the commanders things, for it, too. And yeah. the commanders for it, too. And then also, yeah, your... Doubling season, your... Yeah. Things that essentially are broken with Super Deep Friends. Glow Skate. Deep Glow Skate. Right. Liliana's Veil. Chain Veil. Vale. Vale. Chain Veil. Double yeah. season. That thing. Things I don't are essentially I heard, are broken so I don't. Super yeah. friends. Um, Deep low skates. Yeah, a uh, of them a fairy deck. Okay, keep going. <laughs> a lot of them are really expensive. Uh, another one would be stacks. Uh, just a lot of stacks cards. The better end of stacks cards can be pretty expensive. There are ways to do it. I did an episode actually with a professor where I made a uh, Xur the Enchanter stacks deck because Xur can tutor out, you know, you may only have Three or four really effective stacks cards but you in that know deck, you can get them. but you can get them, and right. you can protect them, and you can ensure that your opponents are getting punished for playing against you. Gotcha. That you makes know, sense. stacks.
2: <laughs> All <laughs> yeah. right. So maybe you know if you're just starting out or new to the budget space you know mm-hmm. maybe save super friends and stacks for a little yes. bit later on it's not like you can't do it it's absolutely just you, not for the faint of heart you can do it but yeah
1: i'd say that kind of if you're looking to start building budget decks try to focus on the archetypes that we've gone over and that make um that are a bit easier to kind of get into and jump into and then you'll start to learn some more of the cards and hey i mean i kind of know and it's kind of funny when i see my friends play decks if they're playing a more expensive card I know what the card is, but I know that I'm not going to include it in my decks unless the thing's reprinted. So I'm looking out for it if it's coming up in the next set or something like that. And I see this really cool card and I'm like, oh, it got reprinted.
3: Maybe I can fit it in there now. Yeah, I like the creativity that building on a budget makes you have. Mm-hmm. Um, like what we were saying about Golos, I think, was really apt, which is just like you can draw a bunch of lands in that deck. It's totally fine because mm-hmm. your commander is letting you do a much more powerful card draw anyway. Yep. So even if you're drawing into a bunch of lands and you're playing a five-color deck and you're worried about your man base, it's really not a big deal as long as you're able to do Golos maybe a two turns earlier because of some other kind of ramp. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, powerful commander in you know higher-end magic uh, is going to be a powerful commander in budget magic for the most part.
2: Uh, one of the things I really loved about playing with you so many games last night was the fact that we saw all these cards and we kept being like, you know, wait, what is that exactly? Yeah. What does that exactly Doing do? The, taking and a picture then, of it with your phone. Yeah. Because it's so easy for us to get kind of, I mean, I'll cop to it, a little bit lazy with deck building. It's like, hey, I'm going to build this deck. It needs some ramp. Well, I'm just going to go to rampant growth and mm-hmm. the cultivates mm-hmm. and everything and the normal stuff. And those are kind of already pre-decided. Mm-hmm. And I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about those. I'm really thinking about, you know, 27, 28 cards, sure. maybe yeah. 30 cards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think the fact that budget has all these other options for some of that stuff mm. out of necessity means that there is a bunch of stuff out there that's just unused that is really good. And yep. there was a couple of cards last night where I was like, oh, well, I should probably play that in this deck or that deck, not because of budget, just because the card's good. Yep. Yeah. So
1: it kind of forces you to kind of like dig a little deeper and do a little more searching if then potentially if you know, you're know, you just like, oh, OK, well, I'm going to include Cyclonic Rift because obviously it's a blue deck. So totally. you need to find kind of those replacements for those staples. Yeah, and, and there are plenty of
3: them out there. The River's Rebukes instead of the Cyclonic <laughs> yeah, Rifts. Yeah, they, kind of they've done a lot now, actually. Yep. It's yep. surprising.
2: So, All right, to the listeners, what are your favorite budget-friendly decks and or cards that we didn't mention in this episode? We'd love to hear from you, and I'm sure everybody else who's working with a budget would also love to read those mm-hmm. comments and be like, "Oh, hey, let me check that card out." Yeah, I'm sure you'd like to see it too.
1: Yeah, oh, I, I mean, please give me all of your all your secrets and texts, please. I'll just put them in my decks, and I won't give you any credit. <laughs>
2: just, <laughs> he needs to it. make three videos a week, so yeah. he needs. Yeah, he needs help. Don't 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 say that. You're going to make me hold. You're going to hold me to that, and people are going to be like, "Oh, he, he needs, needs make, three. He needs to make five videos a week. Oh my goodness! So, so, long so long next long week time.
3: I'm going to get some comments. One thing we can give you credit for, though, is using our affiliate link to buy some of these amazing cards we talked about today. Or if you thought, oh my gosh, there is this budget card that no one talks about. Mm -hmm. I need to get a couple more copies of it. Head on over to cardking.com slash command zone. Playing fast shipping, too. You'll get it in time for your next game night. Promise you that much.
2: One thing I really like, actually, about Card Kino, I do use them for this often, is when you're buying a lot of inexpensive cards, it's better to buy all from one seller rather than a marketplace, where you're going to get a bunch of different sellers and get individual shipping and handling on all of those. It actually does make sense. Like when I was building my feather deck, I was like, oh, thank God for Card Kingdom because I can just package all these 60 comments together and just pay one shipping and handling all at once. Yeah, a lot of times those stores will require you to have like $2 minimum order, and then all of a sudden you're paying 50 cents here, 20 cents there, and your budget all of a sudden exploded on you. Yeah, so definitely Card Kingdom. Check them out. Another place to go or another sponsor of the show that's going to protect all the cards that you buy is Ultra Pro. We talk about all the time the Eclipse sleeves, which are the best sleeves on the market. Also, the Satin Towers, which Jimmy and I have been plugging lately because I think they are really great great deck boxes for key they're super solid so your deck's just going to be totally fine Uh, also of course algebra makes the best play mats and uh, if you want to protect all of your battlefield they're the ones to go with Uh, oh one final call out for our kickstarter we just launched it you want to help us upgrade our computers, so Jimmy's will stop crashing all the lights in the building and all. Yeah, we had to and flip the sw- the breaker. Oh gosh, it's so scary when it all goes down. I hit render the and then you go, and
1: you're
3: like, oh no, the shower is down! Everyone's rushing around. Um, but more notably, the Kickstarter also has some exclusive rewards. If you want to get this awesome Game Night's coin to help remember your triggers, it says only one may stand with an awesome sword and shield on the back, and then of course the Game Knights logo on the front. It's it's got a nice hefty weight too. Oh yeah, if you can do coin tricks, you 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 know go nuts. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, make sure you check out the Kickstarter. The links are below. It's running for 30 days. Once that Kickstarter is over, you will not be able to receive any of the exclusive rewards involved in there. And we have some really interesting ones, especially if you're looking on the uh, the, uh, the higher side of things. There are some really interesting ones, so we definitely recommend you check it out.
2: All right, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic, Mitch. Europe. This is you this is this is the guest responsibility to come up with an end step. Did you say Europe as in like Europe? Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Are we talking about Europe? Are we talking yeah,
1: about Europe. We were talking about uh, this uh, the other or last night. Yeah, about, I know where you're going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, went to uh, Oktoberfest actually with my oh, wife and yeah. some friends, and it's just uh, a lot of fun. Um, how, how long were you there? We were in Germany, I think, for, I think it was five days. We went to Berchtesgaden first, which is a small, really beautiful kind of mountain town. Yeah. Uh, and then we went to Oktoberfest for, you can only usually handle that for a couple days. So yeah, we we're, yeah, yeah. were there for two days. You so.
3: get pretty, uh, it takes a toll on it your body. It does take a toll on you. Uh, I do love, though, that the beer is, the, it's three ingredients, right? Minimum or something? Like, you can't brew it with more than a few I ingredients. Think it's, yeah,
1: I think it's for the Reinskvau. Uh, there's going to be some people giving me crap about that. <laughs> I, 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 hey, I, at I tr- least we're talking I'm trying, about I'm, it. I'm trying. You yeah, can do yeah, the research the, as well, I'll yeah yeah but yeah they they brew a simple ing- or the they have certain laws I believe that you only, only can brew certain ingredients uh, for Certain kinds of beers or whatnot. So
3: fortunately we have no laws when it comes to brewing decks. Exactly. So we can do whatever we want, put whatever budget cards we want in there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was this a trip you've been planning for a while or Yeah,
3: yeah. It's a trip
1: actually for Oktoberfest, you really have to plan that kind of like over a year in advance because the way that it works, you have like the, the tents um, essentially, um, at Oktoberfest and you have to have a table reserve to right. actually get served. So you need that table reservation and those get sold out years and years in advance. Yeah. So it's yeah. something you've gotta plan for if you plan on going. Did you wear some leader Hosen? I
3: did. Nice.
1: I did. Are there is. any pictures? uh i can provide some pictures but yes. you, you really should them. subscribe to his channel
2: if <laughs> you want to see me yeah. yeah, exactly five <laughs> videos a week and pictures of him and leader hosen we promise speaking uh. of
3: your channel where can we find it and where can we find you on twitter and all those other social yeah platforms? sure
1: uh the commander's quarters uh is the youtube channel uh edh quarters because commander's quarters is too long for twitter uh and then facebook instagram i believe are just the like commander's quarters
3: nice well make sure you check out mitch uh one if you want to hear a sultry sweet smooth voice describe to you you. how you can buy budget and build a deck for like 25 bucks pretty amazing so yeah make sure you go check them out and subscribe and you know what while you're there let them know that
2: the command zone sent you yeah it's the fastest growing magic youtube channel yeah you want to get according according to these guys yeah Yeah.
3: do you want you can make it actually if it's not we're gonna make it
2: so let's go (laughs) Another really cool magic YouTube channel and podcast is the Masters of Modern, our sister podcast, Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman. They talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast or just type Masters of Modern into your YouTube search bar or any podcast app and they're going to pop right up. And uh, our
3: editing and graphics team just updated so now that you know all of the people that you're also supporting with the Kickstarter. I
2: thought it was probably not fair that we only mention the two people that normally work on the podcast because we don't also call out our editors and game nights and extra turns so i think it's fair our whole editing team works on all of our stuff Mm -hmm. so we're gonna update this we're just gonna name them all from now on so ready jimmy go command zone team
3: is craig blanchett ashlyn rose terry robertson josh murphy jake boss sam waldo and of course alfred Destaca, because he handles sending out all of those very important shipments for the winners of each game that's episode so thanks, team. Thanks, team. You guys rock. <laughs> All right. And, of course, special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer. Of course, he does the Living Card animations behind us and also start and end our show at youtube.com slash podcast. You can find him at LivingCardsMTG on Twitter. All
2: right, Mitch. Thanks for
3: joining us. Yeah,
1: Thank
2: thanks you. for having me. Thanks, everybody out there for watching. And we'll see you next time. Peace.